Welcome to Different from the Recurrenda. We did say on the last podcast that Jason, Michael, and myself, John, uh, wouldn't be back until the Spurs game where we do another podcast. But we thought we'd do something a little bit different. And well, give us your feedback on this because we don't normally speak to fans of other clubs. You probably do it. You probably work with a bunch of, of fans from, uh, from other teams, particularly, you know, the local North London teams. We thought we'd try and sort of understand maybe how they're viewing Watford. And actually try and find some common ground uh, that we all have as, as football fans. So we thought we'd speak to a couple of uh, a couple of football fans. First one, Jim Daly from the Five Year Plan podcast, a Crystal Palace podcast. We've had Jim on before, uh, before the FA Cup semi-final, to see what he thought about, well, what happened on Boxing Day, particularly with Harry Hornet, and what he saw about Watford. Then, looking ahead to the game on New Year's Day against Spurs, we're going to speak to Adam from the Front 3 podcast uh, to find out about what Spurs are thinking about Watford. And again, they're a club that's developing, as we are, but from different places. And I want to find out a bit more about how the expectations are going for Spurs at the moment. So let's start with Jim. And of course, we could only start with one thing. Harry the Hornet. Jim, let's start with the, the obvious and the thing that sort of we're talking about the most. Uh, Harry Hornet. Now, I'm going to be, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. Did Wilf dive? No. Okay, yeah. Does he have a reputation? Does, does does he have a reputation with Watford fans uh, for getting a penalty or two and maybe possibly diving in the past? Yes, which I think what Harry perhaps was doing when you when you heard about it to begin with uh, as a Palace fan, what was your initial reaction when you heard that the Watford mascot Harry Hornet had dived in front of Wilf Zaha? Well, I saw it. I watched it happen with my own eyes because I was in the away end uh, clapping the players, clapping Wilf as he came over. And I saw um, Harry the Hornet uh, dive and um, I saw Wilf obviously get annoyed and uh, have to be dragged away. Um, as he does, he's, he's, an, he's, I was about to say, impetulant. He's a, he's a passionate young man. He, you can see he gets annoyed during games anyway when he gets fouled or doesn't get fouled or whatever. So I think that was just a natural reaction of a, of a passionate young man anyway. At the time, I found the Harry the Hornet thing quite annoying Mainly because it felt a little bit sort of classless. It felt a bit sort of just a bit, oh, it isn't really becoming, I guess, of a man. But then it is a man dressed in a giant hornet outfit. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's not a man. You know, and actually, and I did, we did our podcast uh, today, um, our Palace podcast, and all the other guys in the pod said, well, if it had been the other way around, we'd be laughing at it. And, and I guess we probably would be, to be fair. And, and maybe it is just kind of part of the pantomime of football. And this is just the, the thing that happens. Uh, and players just to have maybe just have, have to kind of just front up to it and just accept it. And I do understand that Wilf has this reputation of diving. Some merited, some not, I would argue. Like, I think he's he's got better at it. I think in the past, he certainly looked to go down a, a lot more than he did. And I know he, he has won a few crucial penalties against Watford in, in the past, uh, you know, playoff final and then last season in the Premier League, both of which I think were penalties. And I do think that... Certainly the one with Britos at the end of the game on Boxing Day was contentious. I can see why it wasn't given, but I can also see why it would have been. So it's not it's not clear cut or anything. But I think Wilf does have this reputation and 
And it also comes with being a, a winger who is tricky, who gets kicked a lot. That's what happens when you're that kind of player. You, yeah. You're going to go down a lot and sometimes you will go down and it will be warranted. And sometimes you will have looked for it or lost your balance or whatever. There's, it, it's never sort of black and white. There's a lot of sort of elements that go into it. But, you know, the Harry the Hornet thing... Uh, one of the guys on our podcast asked, should we set up a charity boxing match between Pete the Eagle and Harry the Hornet? And oh, I we, think we, absolutely yes. Well, <laughs> we were thinking of maybe an undercard on uh, the anti-Joshua-Klitschko <laughs> fight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Anthony is uh, and Joshua is uh, a Watford fan. So, we, you know, oh, right. um, he's Watford-born, uh, Watford, uh, Watford lad. But with a player like that, because yeah, every football club has had a player who dives like that. We had one in particular, uh, uh, Fernando Forestieri, who... Uh, more recently was you know prone to diving and you know there's players of you know people around me saying just run in the box fernando you know, run in and 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 fall yeah. over do you ever feel like that with wilf with, with the with the britos thing at the end of the game on boxing day I, I at the time i thought that all the fans around me were like oh penalty and i was like it, it looks like a dive to me to be honest it looks mm. like it's gone down and there's only when i saw the replay about three different angles i was like oh actually i think britos might have clipped in there mm. arguments as to whether it's in or outside the box it could be outside the box so i can understand why referees and fans might think he goes down early because you know, it looked like it in real time to me and and maybe there's something about the way he falls and stuff but you know these things happen at such quick speed that i think it's really hard to criticize players sometimes because mm. it's a split second decision for them to go down or stay up it's a, sometimes it it is a foul and doesn't look like it, and sometimes vice versa. And it's really easy for us to be in the stands to say, well, he should have stood in his foot, feet there, he should have broken through, or whatever. You know, it's just, it's not that easy. But having said that, yeah, there are there are times with Wilf and with other players that you'd love him just to take an extra step because, you know, had he done that on on had he been able to do that on on Monday, he'd have been into the box, and you know, he's he's improved his finishing recently, so he may have even scored, and that would have been you know last minute of the game. So. There's always frustrations of players like that, but I, I don't know. I I play football to a very poor standard, and even I sometimes can't stay on my feet. So you know, <laughs> I, I find it hard to criticise sometimes. But you know, the thing about Wilf is he's massively talented, which I'm sure everyone can agree. And he's 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 a young prospect who may or may not be playing for England at some point. You know, he might be playing for Ivory Coast. So he's and he he is a match winner for Palace. Like he's he's such an important player for us. He's easily our best player this season. Uh, and he's improving all the time. So, yeah, whether he does dive a lot or not too much, I, I'd rather he just sort of stayed on his feet, got on with it, because nine times out of ten, he can beat fullbacks and he can make things happen. Yeah, you say when you see a talented player like that, you don't want them to, well, you don't want to feel like they're getting success yeah. cheaply. You think, no, you can do this. Go and do this like we know you can. And like you say, maybe that's the thing. Like you say, as players mature, um, maybe that's the thing that, that we'll see a bit less of, of Wilf. But were you at the game? You, you're, yes. you, you, you came into it after uh, managerial change. Yeah. Did you want that? But any chance? Because we had, we, you know, when we spoke to you uh, around the FA Cup semi-final, you were having as bad a second half of the season as we were. Yeah, now we yeah. changed our manager in the summer. Did you? Did you actually want Pardew to change that early on, or you know? Mm, not in the summer. Not in the summer. I think we were even, like you say, even despite the poor run. Uh, in the league, I think I certainly was ready to give him a chance this season. The cup run had kind of masked that a little bit, and it was you know it was great to get to the cup final. Um, obviously, it was very painful to lose it in the manner that we did, but it was still a, a, a memorable time for all Palace fans. But the league run itself for this season, so you know, encapsulating the whole of 2016, has been so bad. I mean, we got the when he was fired with the lowest 
points percentage of any team in top four divisions, which is awful. I mean, that's clearly <laughs> sackable offence. That is really, really bad. And it didn't look like either there was any signs of it turning around. I think people would have given him a chance if it looked like he was changing tact a little bit or trying a plan B or trying hard to change things. But he wasn't. He was making the same mistakes week in, week out, the same dodgy substitutions. He, he took off James MacArthur in four out of six games with about, well, 15, 20 minutes to go. And in each game, we were win, winning or drawing and we went on to lose. And I mean, that is, you know, they, they say madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I mean, that's exactly what he was doing. So I think he had lost a lot of the fans, certainly after that Swansea game, the 5-4, which is so ridiculous. Yeah. He lost me that weekend. A lot of us wanted him to work at Palace. He's a former player, cult hero in a way for, for one of his goals in the cup, cup run in 1990. We all wanted it to work, but it, in the last couple of weeks, it was becoming plainly obvious it wasn't working. And a change needed to, needed to be made because, you know, no one's too good to go down in this division. So I think I think they got it. They got it right. So you get your manager... And it looked like, straight on the off, you had a bunch of players who I'm guessing hadn't had that much input from Sam, apart from a maybe a motivational sort of point of view. Um, yeah. There's no way he could have made any sort of major tactical um, additions. Yeah, They seem to be like playing as those those players do for at least the first, you know, first 45 minutes. You know, when you look at Watford, I, I find it hard to judge that game because we had two players go off after yeah. within 15 minutes. So, yeah. It looked terrible, and it was a terrible first half. That's me saying it, that as a Watford fan. How did you yeah. see the first half of that game? Was it dominant Crystal Palace for you? I, I don't know if I've ever seen Palace be dominant, to be honest. That's not a word I would throw about lightly. But um, I think we certainly looked more compact. We looked more organised, definitely. We weren't giving the ball away cheaply like we had done in, in, in the previous few weeks. We, I thought our wingers looked good. Townsend like a new player he's been awful for us this season <laughs> 13 million pounds has been so much money for someone that's returned very little but he looked thrusting and he was getting the ball and not losing it he was using it well great assist for Kabai's goal he looked like a, a new player and I think yeah I mean you always get that bounce don't you when there's a new manager that the players whether they're trying harder I don't know or they're trying they want to impress the new boss or there's just a freshness about the squad. I don't, I don't know, but it always seems to happen. You get this kind of little bounce from the new manager. And I think that's what the first half was for us. And hopefully, I think it was a little nod to how we can play and the fact that this is a hugely talented squad. And they, with a little bit of organisation and a bit of sort of thought behind their game plan, they, they can take on anyone, really. And, and, and I don't say that lightly because I think Watford are a really good team and very hard to beat, certainly at Vicarage Road. And they've proved that this season. So... I think I was very pleased with the first 45. I think in the second half, it was mostly down to fitness. I think our team has been looking woefully unfit under Pardew in the last few weeks, and no one can really work out why. So those are big question marks for Allardyce. And uh, we certainly let Watford back into the game, disappointingly with the penalty. But and I think one all was a fair result, to be fair. But yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It looked the first half was very promising, and 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 we needed that. You know, the last few weeks it's been it's, it's been really frustrating watching this really talented squad not perform. So to see them, and bear in mind we had quite a few injuries out as well. I think yeah, there's a lot of promise. I think in that in that first half, um, which as a football fan is all you ask for, isn't it? Just just the signs they might be going in the right direction. You sort of say that, but I think there's a point where you actually go. What for the last couple of weeks have just been playing well, even at Manchester City away. 
getting chances, just nothing was being finished. Away at Sunderland, could have easily been two, three up by half-time, but we weren't yeah. taking the chances that we had, and that, that's been our frustration. And the worry is, will this, will, you know, I think it's probably the same for you, will this team be better than the sum of its parts or worse than the sum of its parts? Yeah. Um, especially the amount of money that you guys have spent. It must be even more frustrating with that. You watch Watford from afar, let's say. Where, where do you think Watford will be then this season? Oh, well, where are you now? What, 12th, maybe? 10th? 10th, 10th. I think yeah. you'll finish around there, to be honest. And I think that would be a, a decent achievement for Watford. And, and in a way, I think there's a lot of similarities between Palace and Watford. And we've always sort of been in the same division most of the time I can remember. And follow each other up and down and um the interesting thing i find about watford is there doesn't seem to be any sort of huge stars in that squad there seems to be a lot of sort of workman-like players you know certainly players like troy deeney who i, I really like I'm, one of the guys on our podcast hates troy deeney and i can't really work out why i really i really like him like he works hard he seems like a decent guy scores goals i love i'd love him up from palace but i don't know there's something about watford that i think maybe palace could possibly try and learn from in a way which is they seem to get the best out of what they've got in the squad and whether that comes from and this is something I talked to to Mike about uh, in the past is this changing of managers like there seems to be this thing in English football like it's great if you have a manager for a long time like stick with your manager that's the way to do it but Watford have proven that actually maybe you can go about changing people at the right time and getting the right person in and you can still progress and Maybe this whole notion of having a long-term manager is is kind of dead. But maybe that's I, not the way to do it anymore. So, how are you viewing Big Sam? Well, he's not he's not ideal. Like I can I know what they've got him. He'll keep you in the division. He'll get the best out of what he's got. He'll go back to basics. We won't be letting in five goals away at Swansea. You know that won't be happening. It might not be as pretty football. Although I would argue that the whole Sam Allardyce long ball football thing is a bit of a myth because I, I've spoken to Sunderland fans and West Ham fans as he came in. They both said, yeah, we didn't we didn't really get that. And then on Saturday or Monday, whenever it was, I don't necessarily think we played anything like that in the game. So I was like, OK, well, this long ball thing might be, might be a myth. But I know that at times he will go back to basics and he will keep it kind of solid and you have to do that sometimes. But as a man, I'm not necessarily sure he's who you'd want. Like my dad is devastated. My dad's a lifelong Palace fan. He, he's devastated. We've got Allardyce purely because he doesn't want, in his words, a crook at the club. And I understand that. You know, that's that's you can't always pick and choose who you want. And this is football, a world where really you can't apply morals to anything. It's, just, it's not like any other business. But it's not ideal, really. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't have picked him, if, you know, out of a lineup. But he'll do a job for us, probably. And it's probably not a long-term... Thing either, so you the, know, all the, we'll, we'll see. All the managerial, you know, changes that we've had at Watford. It seems, uh, even though we haven't heard it, the exact words, that managers have come in to do a job. They've done their job, yeah, and we've moved them yeah. on. So managers come in and they've gone. Actually, you're not the man for the job. So they they went after eight days. Yeah, and, and that sort of makes that for me feels right. That teams do develop, um, and certain managers yeah. are. Fit have a fixed sort of way of being, um, yeah. and it, 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 maybe it works for that time, maybe for mm. a certain time works, and maybe it's bolder as owners or as chairman to actually appreciate that's happening and say, Right, this you know, you, you've run your course for us, thank you very much. Here's your here's your check on your way. We'll get someone else who will suit us from where we are now. You know, we've come from where we, we were previously, now we're in a different position. I think with Pardew, 
they waited and wanted to hope it would turn around. And he's obviously, you know, it's well documented. He's friends with Steve Parrish, one of the owners. And I think they kind of wanted it to really work and because it's Pardew and oh, it'd be great if you turned it around. And, and it didn't happen. And maybe someone that didn't have a connection with the club might have been out a bit quicker. So, you know, it's it's not an easy world, but maybe these days it's the sort of thing where you, Watford are maybe doing it a bit, a bit better than a bit smarter than other clubs a podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end thanks very much to Jim for his time uh, and it's very interesting that he sort of does look at our managerial reviews in, in a positive way a lot of uh, the media certainly feel that they, they don't do that they sort of say oh, it's ridiculous it's a bad thing but you know there are fans out there who who think we are at the Potsos and, and Scott Ducksby are doing the right things in terms of managers so, next up for Watford, New Year's Day, live on television, it's Spurs. We've all got a friend who supports Spurs. Uh, it's one of those classic games that you just w- could start the whole new year uh, with something great. It's the last game of what you would call the first run of home and away games for Watford in the Premier League uh, until we get back on it again after the FA Cup third round against Burton. So let's have a chat to, to Adam uh, and see what he thinks of Watford from a Spurs fan perspective. Adam, you know, you, you are Spurs. You're what, you, what we call a more than established uh, Premier League uh, club. Um, you're coming to, to Vicarage Road. Fear, joy, relaxation. What, how, how, does, how does a Spurs fan, you, you know, when, what, how do you feel when you come, you come up against Watford? I think uh, somewhere in the middle, you know. I think Watford are a good team. They're good at home as well, especially recently the last, uh, last couple of games. Um, I think before the Palace game, you'd won four out of the last six or something like that. Mm. So obviously not. Not exactly fearful, but uh, slightly apprehensive, especially seeing as Spurs this season haven't been doing uh, haven't been doing fantastically on the road themselves. So yeah, a little bit apprehensive, let's say. The last few weeks of Spurs, I know you're mm. playing tonight against uh, Southampton. Um, yes. Do you think though you're on a you're on a, a good place because you know. The position that every club is in at the point now is after half a season of games. It doesn't necessarily mean at this point you're at the good point of that. You could have had a good run earlier on. Are you, are you in a good good headspace as, as for Spurs? Yes, it's been an up and down season to be honest. We've been a little bit inconsistent. We started pretty well. You know, we were sort of touted as one of these teams sort of going under the radar. Um, Hyung Min Son was firing all cylinders, banging the goals for us, and which yeah, this run sort of culminated in us beating Man City uh, at home, hailed as one of the best performances of the season. Really fantastic game for Spurs, and then uh, this international break came along, uh, the first international break of the season, and it all sort of seemed to go wrong. After that, uh, went on a really bad run of form, a couple of key injuries as well. Players like Toby Aldevera, players like Eric Lamella, uh, Harry Kane, of course, as well, was a big miss. And we're only just now starting to sort of come out of that that patch where we couldn't score, where we were really struggling, be it at home, be it uh, on the road as well. We've got Kane back now. Toby Aldevera uh, was out against uh, for the most recent game, but he's back now. Even though we suffered back-to-back away defeats um, against Chelsea and against uh, Man United, the difficult games, I think Spurs fans were, were I don't want to say disheartened by their results, especially the Chelsea result, because you know the form they're on, it's difficult for anyone to beat them at the yeah. moment. But I think we're starting to now come out of that dodgy patch. We've, we've got two difficult away games despite the defeats. and We've got them out of the way now, so we're hoping now to go on a bit of a run over Christmas. It's quite a crucial period for us because... 
these should be, you know, uh, winnable fixtures for us. Although Southampton away is relatively difficult tonight, and obviously Watford away um, is no easy three points. I think these are the sort of teams we need to be beating if we are going to again qualify for for the top four. If not, push for the title, which I think is uh, is a little bit beyond us this season. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the bit I think about Spurs. As you know, from uh, someone looking from afar, mm. uh, not that far away, but the you know, last year, did did you feel that was a chance missed or a building block? I think it's a, a building block to be honest. I don't think yeah, I always say to go back to the start of the last season. No Spurs fans expect us to finish anywhere near the top four, let alone near the top of the table. You know, we were expecting to maybe push for a Europa League spot at best. Obviously, all these different factors sort of came together. The men, Leicester, were were running away with it. Arsenal couldn't quite mount uh, the challenge they wanted to. Chelsea obviously fell away. So I think as good as Spurs were, there was all these other teams that were sort of underperforming, which allowed us to sort of get into this position, essentially. So it was a fantastic run. And even though we did somehow manage to finish third, we were, I think, the only team who did give Leicester a, a real challenge towards the end there so I was despite us losing the title I think it was a, a fantastic run a fantastic experience and I think considering how young Spurs squad in and how inexperienced it is it can only be a good thing for the for the players to experience that and to sort of build upon it really I know this season I think it's almost unrealistic to expect us to change for the title no one quite expected Chelsea to be as good as they've been but Manchester United are always going to be stronger. Liverpool are always going to be stronger. So it's tough at that end of the table. But I think, you know, uh, we've signed most of these key young players down to to new contracts now. Most importantly, perhaps Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane have signed new deals as well. So I think that stands us instead for the next few years. So even though if we're not challenging for Seoul this year or next, I think it's something we need to be looking towards in the next couple of seasons uh, once we move into our new stadium. That's the thing. Because that, A, there's a new stadium coming. And that whole thing mm. you're saying, you know, the fact that Spurs are announcing these, uh, you know, new contracts, long-term contracts for young players. That's pretty good. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, but do you think there's a point though where that's like brilliant? We're we're still building for this new stadium, which is still two mm. years away. Do you, do you worry about the new stadium with the West Ham effect? Let's call it. And <laughs> but also the fact that yeah, you know, they didn't have this glimpse with the title. They were mm-hmm. just had a good Premier League season. They haven't got these a, a squad that is deemed to be the future or very mm-hmm. very nearly at its peak. Can you see a point with Spurs where actually fans' expectations might be a bit crazy? Potentially, it's an interesting one. It's um, there is a lot of different uh, factors that go into it. I mean, for a lot of Spurs fans, obviously our Champions League campaign was at Wembley this season. Going there, such a huge stadium, it's a completely different atmosphere to White Hart Lane, where you do create this kind of this cauldron of just noise and animosity, and you can really, you know, uh, create a fantastic atmosphere when you're playing at home against your London rivals, things like that. Uh, it was very difficult at Wembley, and I can foresee, you know, it's always difficult for a team moving into a new stadium to create a similar atmosphere. It's all very unfamiliar. The West Ham situation, I think we've got two very different. On the pitch, we've got two very different situations. I think, you know, most West Ham fans would tell you that Dimitri Payet is their, their talisman. He's their sort of their go-to talent, essentially, to create goals, to score goals. I think Spurs have a much more balanced squad if you look beyond those key players. Look For us, you know, Hugo Lloris is a massive, 
massive influence. Obviously, the captain and has saved us on many occasions, saved us many points, um, if not three points at times. Um, Harry Kane, as well as obviously in the last two seasons, become um, one of the main players for us. But I think if you look through some of those players who've signed new contracts, the likes of Eric Dyer, who's a, a young centre-back, you're looking at Christian Eriksen as well, you're looking at Dele Alli, all these players uh, who essentially create the spine of the team have all signed. So I think on the pitch, we should be in good stead. In terms of the expectations, I think, uh, I like to think most of the Spurs fans I know are quite realistic and a little bit more grounded than uh, fans of other clubs, potentially. I think uh, I think for us, we want to build towards that title challenge. I don't think anyone's got a date in their mind of, okay, we want to be challenged for title in the, the, the year in the new stadium. I think it's just something that's, what's encouraging is improvement. You know, mm. I've got a lot of Arsenal friends who are very frustrated, essentially, with the the stasis, you know, the, the, the club seems to have plateaued and nothing seems to be moving forward in the last 10 years. Whereas for Spurs, it's very clear that every season there does seem to be this progression. Yes, we've been chopping and changing managers, but now we've found this man, Pochettino, who just seems to be perfect for the club. Um, the young players seem to want to play for him. The key players like Hugo uh, want to as well. So it all seems to be coming together and you do seem to see these these signs of progress, which I think is encouraging. Um, and I'm not quite sure the expectations are, are at an unrealistic level yet. But, you know, five, ten years down the line, uh, maybe they will be. I was speaking to Jim earlier on, the Palace fan, and, and he sort of yeah. said maybe this whole thing about building clubs around one manager mm-hmm. um, is almost uh, not a myth or a fantasy. Um, but something of, of old, and you know, you, you must you know n- know the number of managers you know, we've we've had um, in the last four or five years is, is yeah. quite a high number. Do you do you th- really think that's the best way forward for a football club to say, "Here's our man"? Because I think Swansea. My thing about Swansea is that they they change managers, but mm. they're certain to be. They all were of a similar area. They were all part of a similar yeah. ethos, and they just slowly improved it. Bob Bradley seemed a little bit too too different from from all that and maybe that's where they've they've sort of they've gone wrong um but for Spurs though do you, do you want to put all your eggs in Pochettino basket it's an interesting question I think it's, it depends on the club whether you know uh, whether it does work chopping and changes the manager I mean look at Chelsea seem to change their manager every two or three seasons and yet you know they are the only club in London to have won the Champions League. They once again look like they're going to win the Premier League again this season. I think for uh, it's for a club like Spurs, I feel like we needed and have been searching for some sort of continuity for a while now. We've been searching for someone to bring in some sort of long-term plan. I remember when Harry Redknapp came in and he sort of saved us from, from relegation, essentially. And that was when it started to feel like there was some momentum behind Spurs. And for the first time, we might look to become a club that weren't uh, in mid-table uh, constantly, but looking up into the top sort of four, five, six positions. The problem with Harry Redknapp was that it always felt too short-term. I remember when he signed Louis Saha and Ryan Nelson in, uh, in January, kind of on loan deals, when you know a lot of Spurs fans were really hoping we were going to push for the top four and and really secure a place in Europe. And those sort of signings, although they might have helped us with those season-long campaigns, people were looking beyond that as well and saying, OK, well, what, what do we do next season? Where's the, the plan for then? It sort of seemed to be very, it all seems very temporary. I think when Andres Fias Boas came in, Daniel Levy was looking for someone who could come in for an extended period of time and 
and help us achieve the aims. Didn't really work out for a number of reasons, but it seems to have worked perfectly for us now. Pochettino just seems to be the right man. I don't think it works for every club to, like you say, to put all your eggs in that basket and go, okay, you're going to be our man for the next four, five, six years and, and beyond that. But I think when you do have everything coming together in the way that it has for Spurs, I think it's uh, it just makes sense to say, okay, the players love playing for him. He is getting everything right on the pitch. The club are getting, let's say, 80% of things right off the pitch. We'll, we'll try and forget Moose's okay for now. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it's different for every club. And like I say, uh, Chelsea chop and change, and it seems to work for them. But um, for Spurs, yeah, Pochettino, for the first time in a long time, I think, you know, we've got that perfect marriage of, for the short term, we've got a team that can challenge at the top of the table. And long term, um, I think we're looking, um, you know, to, to potentially be challenging for the league uh, consistently. We are what for podcast. Is there anything, maybe jealous is the wrong word, is there anything you're jealous of, of, of Watford as a Spurs fan? Um, jealous of Watford? Um I do. I wonder if it's just because I wonder if it's just because there's so much football nowadays, and uh, there's sort of like a like a fatigue, or there's sort of like mm. you know, it's almost like overkill. Or you're sort of overburdened with so much football, and there's so much going on. There's a there's an element of just like the the purity of just like a win, enjoying a win. You know. I feel like as a Spurs fan now, you know, we are looking at top four and uh, there is this, you're constantly thinking about the teams around you and how maybe you're going to, are you going to qualify for the top four? And you're always sort of thinking almost towards the future. You know, are we going to qualify for the Champions League next year? Is the stadium coming in soon? You know, what's it going to be like? We're at the stadium. Okay, the players are signing down new contract in a couple of years. There is that focus on what's happening next and, you know, um, the wider picture. Whereas it would, you do sort of forget to celebrate a win or just enjoy a win for what it is, you know. Um, apart from when you say be Arsenal or a local rival where it is all about the bragging rights and it is all about the here and now. Um, but I think, you know, speaking to some of my friends who are sort of lower, league, lower down the league, I should say, perhaps not the relegation zone where every, uh, every game is a battle for survival, but just where you can just enjoy a game, enjoy a win. And it doesn't mean you're going to get relegated. It doesn't mean you're going to uh, be out of the title race. But where you know three points is just a, a massive cause for celebration in and of itself. You know, a simpler life then. Yeah, in, in a way, <laughs> <laughs> that seems almost to like put down Watford to say that's the thing we're jealous of. But um, yeah, I think that's just a, a, a general thing in football nowadays. Where it is the thing. You know, it is the thing as Watford fan. I'm, I, I I completely get what you say. The thing I I would love Watford to be more successful, but I will always have a thing in the back of my head of do I want the hoopla. Yeah, because, you know, we went through the whole thing last season, finishing in the top four and qualifying for the Champions League. And this season, Spurs were terrible. And we got knocked out. And it's kind of like, well, what was the point of all that worrying and <laughs> all that stressing about getting in the top four when, you know, this season we're thinking, OK, do we want to play our best team in our final Champions League game because we want to be focused on the league for next season? You kind of just, well, can we not just focus on the here and now or do we have to focus on next season? You know, it was, uh, there's an element of, like, say, uh, the here and now, I think. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This 
is from the rookery end. So thank you very much to, to Adam uh, from the front three. Please check out his podcast. Uh, he is a Spurs fan, but it, the, the podcast isn't only about Spurs. It is a general football uh, chat. Um, the guys there know quite a lot. They're, they're very analytical about the game uh, and really wider knowledge of football across Europe. So it is a sort of a, it is a good podcast uh, to get a nice wider view, uh, a different view maybe uh, from from yourself. Um, thank you for listening. As I said, do you want to keep us? Do you want us to keep talking to uh, fans of oppositions to to get their views on Watford to find out a little bit more about about them? Uh, if you do, uh, we might try and do it a little bit more. Uh, so give us a shout. Uh, you can get us in contact with our normal routes: uh, email podcast at from the uh, or any of your social media, be it Twitter or Facebook. We are at Watford Podcast. Uh, thank you very much. We'll be back uh, with the whole gang uh, after the Spurs game uh, just to see how this Christmas period has, uh, has, has gone and uh, how much do we really, really want to put out a strong team against Burton Albion in the third round of the FA Cup. Come on, you ones.